What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Friday to you. We're going to do another three-segment pod today, and we're going to do a lot of rankings. I really like ranking things. I'm a draft guy at my core, and that's all about stacking things up, and uh, we're going to do some of that here today. So segment one, we're going to continue our series on ranking the position groups in the AFC East. Yesterday, I did quarterbacks. Today, we're going to do running backs to kick things off. We'll come back and do a retrospect at the Bills 2014 draft class. And then I want to start a new series, a new segment, where uh, I'm going to rank position groups that the Bills face in 2020. So I'm going to rank the quarterbacks that the Bills are going to face on their 2020 schedule this year to close out the week. So that's what you have to look forward here today. Let's get to it. First thing, AFC East running back rankings. I'll be honest with you, this was a lot harder than quarterbacks for me. Um, I think all four teams have really good things about their running back rooms and um, others that don't necessarily scare me. And I think that's kind of what I tried to do here. When I stacked these up, my methodology was, which running backs would I not want to face? You know, like which one actually causes concern having to deal with the skill sets in the backfield. And that's really that was what I I predicated these rankings on. Which ones I didn't want to face. Um, and so we'll start with number four like we did yesterday with quarterback. So at number four, I have the most accomplished backfield in the the league probably in, in Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore, the New York Jets number four here. I know Le'Veon Bell's paid a ton of money and he's had some really good years in the league. Frank Gore is, we know him. We, we watched him play football last year for the Bills. I just don't get nervous about playing these guys. There's nothing scary to me about having to go up against a backfield that features Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore. Bell is obviously super versatile. He catches the football. He's patient. Frank Gore is a downhill back that's aging and you know his, his physical skill set's declining. I just don't feel like in, in the in the landscape of NFL running back situations, that that's anything that makes you overly nervous to deal with. So they're at the bottom when it comes to this AFC East running back rankings. And maybe that'll be a surprise to you or people will be mad at me that I said that, but I just, from a perspective of having to play them, they strike the least amount of fear in me. And number three, I have the bills, Devin Singletary, and Zach Moss. And what this comes down to is this has a chance to be number one at the end of the season. But, you know, we're, we're talking about Devin Singletary, who's played in, what, 12 games in the NFL, was really good, high average yards per carry, a lot of dynamic runs. Um, he played well as a rookie, and I'm excited about what he can be as the Bills lead back this year. But, that's it for this backfield. Zach Moss is your RB2. He's never played in the league. You guys know I love this backfield, the makeup of it. I like what it can be, but I just think if I'm going to stack this up and be honest about it, I've never seen Zach Moss carry the football in the NFL, and Devin Singletary has started like three quarters of one year. You know, I, I, I feel like there's just a lot to be proven here. I'm optimistic. I love the group. You've heard me rave about these guys. The economic factor of this of this pair, the upside, the vision, the contact balance, the skills, all there. Again, this could be number one by the end of the year. But going into this thing, 
I think I have to be honest about it and understand that there's not a whole lot that's been proven here. Um, and it's more forecasting and believing in this group than it is anything that they've done that I can point to and say, yeah, look at what these guys have done. That's why they deserve to be higher. At number two, I have the, and I know when I do give you number two, I'm also giving you number one. So this, I, I don't like that this is anticlimactic. At number two, I have the New England Patriots, Sony Michelle and James White. I don't think that's a very scary tandem, but it's an accomplished tandem. Uh, James White is a really good receiving back, um, and he's a good running back as well. But what he brings as a receiver out of the backfield, he might be one of the best, you know, three or four receiving backs in the league. And that really adds something to this pair. Um, Sony Michelle's a he's talented. I mean, he was a first round pick for a reason. I don't think he's been overly dynamic with his production, but I think he was banged up as a rookie. If he's healthy this year and their their interior trio of Shaq Mason, David Andrews, and um, uh, Joe Tooney is all healthy, and they got their tackles, Marcus Cannon and uh, Isaiah Wynn. I mean, that's a good group, and, and, and Michelle's going to – he's going to eat behind that old line So I think he could have his best year coming up here. Certainly talented, right? First-round pick, and James White, who's one of the best receiving backs in the league, I got to give them the nod here at number two. Uh, we've seen James White be a real, real pita for the Bills to deal with. So at number one, I have the Miami Dolphins. Can you believe it? Back-to-back days, I have the Miami Dolphins with the number one position group. I have them number one at quarterbacks yesterday, and I have them at number one at running backs today. Uh, Jordan Howard and and Matt Breida. If you want to talk about complementary skill sets, I mean, that's it. That's the definition of it. Jordan Howard, really good between the tackles, runner, good vision, good power, good contact balance, physicality. He's going to really challenge you to – to give an honest effort tackling and, and get to the football. Matt Breida is a really dynamic receiving threat. That is the perfect complement. You have different type of different styles of backs here, uh, and both that are very accomplished in the league. So um I like what they put together there. So, you know, look, I mean, this isn't none of these are total juggernauts to deal with, you know, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, but I think this is the right way to stack it up with the Jets. Bell and Gore, good backs, accomplished backs in the league. They just don't scare me. Singletary and Moss, they could be one by the end of the year, but there's a lot to prove there. Sony Michelle, James White. Michelle, the talent of a first-round pick that I think is going to have his best year, and James White, who's one of the best receiving backs in the league. And then this pair of Jordan Howard and Matt Breida with Miami really takes the cake in my opinion, in terms of talent, complementary skill sets, and how they can impact an offense. So that's that's how I have it stacked up. So we'll uh, maybe get to the wide receivers on uh, on Monday, and I think you'll know who's number one when we get there. Looking forward to telling you about this 2014 Bills draft, but before we do, let me tell you about Built Bar. This is the best-tasting protein bar I've ever had. Hard to explain. you got to experience these things for yourself. They're all made with real chocolate. They have amazing flavor, variety. I've really been digging the blueberry lemon lately. I'm off of the uh, raspberry chocolate kick. I still like it. I've been going hard on the peanut butter, but blueberry lemon, this uh, this flavor they just released has really been uh, something I've been enjoying. Um, and that's what I love so much is, is the flavor variety. You can get so many different 
uh, flavors, and they all taste great. They have the consistency of a candy bar, and they are extremely healthy for you. I mean, amazing combination here of low calorie, high protein, low sugar. There's no crazy additives. You compare them to other popular protein bars, it's half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. Does not make sense that it could be that good for you and taste that good. Make sure you guys go to BuiltBar.com. You use our promo code, you get 10 bucks off your first order. That promo code is locked on. Again, BuiltBar.com, using promo code locked on, it'll get you 10 bucks off your first order, and you can find out what all the fuss is about. Let's talk about this Bills 2014 draft class. So far, we've done 2017, 16, and 15. Today, it's all about 2014, and we all know about this one, right? The Bills traded up for Sammy Watkins in a really good wide receiver year. The Bills gave up a first and a fourth-round pick in the following year's draft to get Sammy Watkins. He was going to be the guy that made everything right for E.J. Manuel. But didn't work out. Uh, I will say this, that Sammy Watkins had his best two seasons in the NFL, his first two with the Bills, 65 for 982 and six touchdowns as a, as a rookie. 2015, 60 receptions, 1,047 yards and nine touchdowns. Um, since then, you know, 430 yards in 2016, 593 and 17, 519 and 18, and then with the Chiefs last year, 673 yards. I mean, he's been – he's not been as good – He's never been as good as he was in his first two years with the Bills with any other team. And we're talking about Sean McVay's uh, Los Angeles Rams and Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs the last two years. Now, Sammy Watkins is a starting receiver in the league. There's no question about it. But he's not our starting receiver to the level of two first-round picks number and the number four overall selection used on him. Now, he has that type of talent, but whether it's been the foot injury, whether it's been not taking things seriously as a pro to start his career, as we've learned through Tyler Dunn's recent article. But it's hard to – what's challenging about kind of grading this Sammy Watkins pick is that he's a starting receiver and he's paid a lot of money to be a starting receiver. But – and it's a hit, right? Because of that, it's a hit. Like, he's your first. He's a first-round draft pick that's been a starter in the league since 2014. And he'll be a starter in the league next year. But there's a value component to this discussion that has to be considered when you talk about what the Bills gave up to have Sammy Watkins. And I don't see it. I don't see that adding up. So this is a hit in that the Bills got and drafted a starting player in the first round. But when you factor in what was invested to get him, that's a big demerit on that selection. The next pick of the 2014 draft, the Bills drafted Cyrus Quanjo, an offensive tackle from Alabama, number 44 overall. Uh, this was not a pick that I liked at the time. Um, <laughs> he uh, he just doesn't have a lot of traits that matter in the NFL right now. He's 6'7", 322. He's physical, but he just has bad feet, bad footwork in te- terms of technique, and they're slow feet. And... Um, you know, at the end of the day, he's not had much of a career to speak of. Um, he's been – he started eight games in his career. So he started off with the Bills, was with the Bills for three seasons, and then he was with Denver in 2017 and 2018. He's been active for 30 career games and started eight of them. 
good for him for logging five seasons in the NFL, but as a top 50 selection, I think it's you expect him to be a starter, and that, that never happened. So I think this was a miss. The Bills in the third round, number 73 overall, took a linebacker from Louisville, Preston Brown. Started off his career starting pretty much every game for the Bills. His first 2014, 15, 16, and 17. Over 100 tackles, started every game but two. So 16 games played, 14 games started as a rookie, and then 16 games in 15, 16, and 17. He played a ridiculous percentage of the snaps. Let me see if I can pull this up. Yeah. Uh, 94% of the snaps in 14, 98% in 15, 100% in 16, and 99% in 17. Then he goes and signs a, a, a one-year deal with the Bengals, plays 33% of the snaps. Another one-year deal with the Bengals in 2019, plays 39% of the snaps, was released after week nine, got scooped up by the Raiders and played 17 snaps. He's a free agent right now. 27-year-old free agent linebacker that started his career with four consecutive 100-tackle seasons, including leading the NFL with 144 tackles in 2017. Don't cite tackle stats ever again to me as something that um, proves that a player is good. I talked about him recently here on the podcast when I was considering the players that Brandon Bean uh, let go, and he was one of the guys that I dug into. So I don't want to say too much about him other than uh, I think as a third-round pick, I mean, it's hard to say that he wasn't a hit because, I mean, let's face it, the guy's been a starter in the league, you know, really for six years now. Now he's looking for work, but if you log six seasons as a primary starter for an NFL team, it's hard to argue with that. That's a good pick. So I think that's a hit, but I think he was a little overrated. The Bills' next pick. Uh, so Sammy Watkins, Cyrus Quanjo, Preston Brown, and then this is a nice pick here. Fourth round, 109 overall, defensive back from Duke by the name of Ross Cockrell. Um, man, he. I wish he was on the Bills for longer. Like He only was there for seven games in 2014, and then he got released and – he got picked up by the Steelers and wind up becoming a okay player, you know, by year three, started all 16 games uh, and then had a year as a starter for the giants and then started last year for the Panthers and played pretty well. Now he's a free agent right now. Somebody can sign him. And I think somebody should sign him because I think he's absolutely a rosterable defensive back that can play, some corner, I think he can play a little bit of safety as well. He's definitely rosterable. He's a smart football player. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's made like tons of impact plays, but 100% a rosterable guy that, you know, if you're a zone defense, you, you'd like to have Ross Cockrell. So I wish he had more of a chance to prove himself with the Bills. It just never happened. So it's a hit in the fourth round with Ross Cockrell. He just didn't help. He didn't help the actual Buffalo Bills. Uh, this was a pick that I was excited about at the time. It didn't work out. Uh, in the fifth round, number 153 overall, the Bills picked Cyril Richardson, guard from Baylor. Man, I remember watching his tape, and he just kicked ass at Baylor, man. He moved people all over the place. And I think that was a sobering example of 
you can push Big 12 defensive linemen around all day long, but it's a lot different of a story going to the NFL and pushing around NFL caliber offensive linemen. So he comes in, and in 2014, his rookie season with the Bills, he winds up starting four games. And then that was it. That's all he ever did. Practice squad for the Bills in 15. Uh, got a chance to make the roster in 16, but he never did. The Bears picked him up, added him to their practice squad, gave him a chance to make the roster in 17, and never did. So for his career, 12 games he was active for, four games started, has not been on a team since 2017. So you could, his career's done. I think he actually was in the uh, AAF, if I'm not mistaken. So not a hit because like he didn't even, outside of his rookie year, he didn't even get a chance to provide depth for a team. So that's definitely a miss, but uh, one one that I'll be open about and tell you that I was excited that the Bills drafted him. It just didn't work out. The Bills, with the seventh-round pick, they took Sontrell Henderson, 237 overall, offensive tackle for Miami. Um, he had some off-field issues that pushed him down the board a bit, but he's super physically gifted. Uh, started... 16 games as a rookie for the Bills in 2014, played pretty well, and then started 10 games for the Bills in 2015, uh, and then he was a backup in 16 and 17, dealt with some suspensions, has been on the the Texans in 2018 and 2019, uh, but uh, only active for a handful of games and a handful of starts. So through throughout his career, he's been active for 39 games, and he started 29, just a lot of different um, – suspensions and uh, injuries that have have happened throughout the course of his career, but he's been a rostered player since 2014. Um, I think he'll probably get a chance to make a team at some point. He's not on one right now, but I think he'll get a chance here at some point to to make a team uh, this year. So I think for a seventh-round pick in 2014 to collect an NFL paycheck for uh, six years, that's pretty doggone good. I I count that as a hit for a seventh-rounder. And then the Bills made one more seventh-round pick, number 221 overall, Randall Johnson, uh, linebacker, hybrid edge-type player out of Florida, Atlantic. Uh, Not much of a career to note here. He was on the Bills for two seasons, uh, played in 15 games across those two years with one start uh, for his career with seven tackles, six tackles for the Bills. Um, Recovered a couple fumbles on special teams, so good for him there. and then he played one season for the Jets, one game for the Jets, and then that was it. Um, so he he was rostered from 2014 through 2016, had a chance to make the Jets in 17. They cut him before the season, and his career's done. So he logged three years after being a seventh-round pick and got a chance to play a little bit of special teams. Um, so that's not terrible for a seventh-round pick, but obviously he – didn't prove to be a steal. So in totality, I look at this 2014 draft, and LaBille's got a starting wide receiver with an asterisk, right, and Sammy Watkins, a starting linebacker in Preston Brown, uh, starting rosterable defensive back in Ross Cockrell, a reserve spot starter type offensive lineman in Chantrell Henderson. That's not too bad. The problem is that it gave up Two first-round picks for Sammy Watkins. Oh, where do I slot this? Let's slot this thing. It's not better than 2017 for sure. Um, so right now I have number one, 2017, Trey White, Deion Dawkins, Matt Milano. 2015, Darby Miller O'Leary. 
Watkins, Brown, Henderson's probably the banner. Cockrell. That might be better. I think I think this is better than 15. Certainly 16, the only thing they had to show from that is Shaq Lawson and Reggie Ragland. I have a hard time with this one because the asterisk that goes with, <laughs> with the Sammy Watkins selection, but I think the impact here of what Brown, Cockrell, Henderson, Watkins collectively has been able to do is better than Darby Miller and O'Leary. So through the last four drafts, we'll slot this at number two, above 2015 and below 2017. Um, but when this is your second best draft in the last four years in terms of going back three years, right? Because we're not not going to grade guys that haven't had three years of experience in the league. You know, not not too uh, not too exciting. But uh, that's where we're going to slot it uh, for now. All right, let's close out the week by examining the quarterbacks that the Bills face on their schedule this year. We'll uh, we'll do this for other positions too. We'll go number one receivers, offensive lines, defensive lines, you know, running backs. This, this is fun to kind of start really looking at this schedule and seeing what challenges are going to be presented as things go on here. And I think when you look at quarterbacks, it it it, um, it does reveal some things about the schedule in general. And this is something that in a conversation that I had with Greg Thompson, I can't remember if it was on on Lockdown Bills or something else that him and I uh, worked together on, but. You know, you, you look at the Bills' schedule from top to bottom, and you feel like it's it's kind of tough, right? Not a not a certainly not a soft schedule, not one that you think is you know a real gauntlet, an impossible you know slate of games. But it feels pretty tough. But then when you really kind of peel it back and, and and think, okay, well, what quarterbacks are the Bills facing? It's not that it's not that great. It's not, it's you're not like oh my god, we got to face that quarterback and that one and that one and that one. It's not the case. I mean, there's a couple good ones here, but after that, it's kind of a lot of wild cards. So let's start. Let's start bottom up here. So I, I, there's 13 quarterbacks because they they played the division uh, division teams twice each. So the well, number 13, Jarrett Stidham, New England Patriots, completely unproven in the NFL, fourth round pick in 2019. Until he does something in the NFL that reveals what he's capable of, he's he's last. He's last in the entire league. Number 12, I have Drew Locke, quarterback for the Broncos. Uh, he started his career as a rookie last year. Late in the season, he got a chance to play. He played well. I mean, he looked good in like five starts. I think Denver was 4-1 and one in those starts. Had some big moments. Uh, looked good. He's got a really nice supporting cast. I think he's going to be a good player. But again, a guy with only five career starts and going into his second season. So he's really unproven and... When I when I start saying that type of stuff, and I think about a Sean McDermott defense with the talent that's on the Bills defense, you know I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. At number eleven, I have Sam Darnold of the New York Jets. He has a big time opportunity to climb this, but as it stands right now, um, you know Darnold, I think that's a, the the appropriate place to slot Darnold um, for him. Hopefully, he can get the turnover stuff corrected. But when you kind of look at this, and and you know you have Darnold and Stidham. And that's four of your games right there. That's four of your games. That's a quarter of your schedule against Darnold and Stidham. Uh, number 10, I have Derek Carr of the Las Vegas Raiders. If he's not going to open up and, and, and push the ball down the field against the Bills, and he's just going to try to dink and dunk, it's going to be a long day for that offense. And, and I think Derek Carr has shown some resistance to, to throwing the ball down the field lately. And uh, maybe Henry Ruggs changes that, but... Um, 
That's going to be a concern if he's going to have success against a McDermott defense. Number nine, I have Tyrod Taylor of the Los Angeles Chargers. We know Tyrod. We know what he can do. We know his limitations. I think against a Sean McDermott defense, he doesn't he doesn't scare me. Um, you need to be able to be decisive and accurate with consistency against a McDermott defense. And if you're just going to hold on to the football and not not try to thread coverage, you're not going to have much success. Number eight, I have Ryan Tannehill of the Tennessee Titans. Look, I mean, Tannehill, when he came in from Mariota, he ignited that Tennessee team. A ton of good running football there with Derrick Henry, and then Tannehill, just a lot of play action and uh, making plays in the passing game. Now, they didn't really rely on him much in the two playoff wins, you know, like less than 100 yards passing in those first two playoff wins, and then obviously more in the championship game against Chiefs, but that didn't result in the win. I don't think Tannehill's a great starting quarterback, but I think he's reasonable, at least average, and uh, he's the eighth-best quarterback that the Bills face this year. Jimmy Garoppolo at number seven for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I think this is a situation where uh, Jimmy G's a, a fascinating player because he's 29 years old. He's been in the league for like six or seven years. He's entering year four with Kyle Shanahan, but he's only started like 25 games. This is the first year last year that he even played 16 games. He had a good year. He had a really good quarterback rating. When the team needed him to score points, he could do it. Um, at the same time, I think you know you wonder what his ceiling is and how much better he's going to get. But he's still a developing player, which is really weird given his circumstances. But uh, you know, with with them kind of being a, a type of offense that wants to facilitate the football, you know, Jimmy G get it out of his hands, get it into the hands of guys that can create after the catch. No, that's something that I think can give the Bills defense some problems. I have Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals at number six. Really excited to see Cliff Kingsbury, that offense, Kyler Murray against the Bills defense. He did some really impressive things as a rookie. He's got great arm talent. He's very accurate. You know, what type of jump does he take this year? Obviously with DeAndre Hopkins now in the mix at receiver. Number five, I have Ryan Fitzpatrick of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, we know what he can be with Chan. Um... I thought he was the best quarterback in the AFC East last year. You know, obviously he's not an ascending player. We know exactly who Ryan Fitzpatrick is in the league. And uh, I think in the lexicon of the Bills schedule, this is the right spot to slot him. You can maybe tell, you can maybe say Jimmy G or Kyler Murray deserves to be ahead of Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I felt like Ryan Fitzpatrick's resume and uncertainty as to who he is gave him the upper hand. So there you go. The fifth best quarterback the Bills face this year, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Jared Goff with the Los Angeles Rams at number four. Um, you know, I don't think he's an elite quarterback in the NFL. I think he's had some impressive moments. I don't think he's I don't think he's as bad as some people want to make him out to be. But if you can pressure him, things get dicey. So you got to get pressure on Jared Goff. If you're going to give him time, sit back there and throw, he'll he'll hit throws. But you get pressure on Goff, he'll he'll turtle up on you. Ben Roethlisberger at number three. I mean, we'll see what we get from Ben, right? He's coming off of that elbow injury. Um, but, you know, we know what Ben Roethlisberger can be in the NFL, probably a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, vertical ability, that scares me against the Bills. They got Deontay Johnson, James Washington, two good vertical threats. You know, they got Juju Smith-Schuster as their big slot, Chase Claypool, who they just drafted, two receiving tight ends and Eric Ebron and Vance McDonald. You know, Ben Roethlisberger will launch the football down the field. And, uh, you know, I don't 
the Bills have had good fortune not allowing big plays, but I don't necessarily think it's because they're not there. I just think teams don't hit them very often. Ben can hit them. And so that makes me a little bit nervous, um, but uh, we'll see how he reacclimates to the lineup. Number two, Russ Wilson, Seattle Seahawks, one of the elite passers in the NFL, one of the elite quarterbacks. Uh, pretty much the Seahawks win 10 games every year just because they have Russ Wilson. And you think about him with Tyler Lockett. Uh, they've got DK Metcalf. I mean, those are matchup nightmares because Trey White can't cover them both. So what are you going to do? You're going to have Trey White cover Tyler Lockett. You have Josh Norman cover DK Metcalf. <laughs> DK Metcalf, it's 6'3", 230, and runs 4'3", 3. Please. Josh Norman's going to have a hard time in that game. He better jam the hell out of him at the line because he's going to get dusted. you know. And, and Russ Wilson's a wonderful vertical thrower that knows how to extend plays. So... Yeah, I'm I'm nervous about Russ Wilson. You know, he's an elite quarterback, and I'm glad the game's in Buffalo. But uh, that's one that makes me nervous. And then, of course, number one, Pat Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs. Enough said. We know who he is, an elite young quarterback in the league. I do like that the Bills get. Do they get all of these top quarterbacks at home? They they get Mahomes at home on a Thursday night. They get Wilson at at home. Uh, Roethlisberger is in Buffalo. Goff is in Buffalo. Wow. That's crazy. The four best quarterbacks that the Bills face this year are all at home. Ryan Fitzpatrick is number five, who they you know obviously split home and away, and then they do go to Kyler Murray. They go to Jimmy Garoppolo. They go to Ryan Tannehill. But your first four are coming to your place? That's what you like to see. And so I think this was a good exercise to kind of get a good look at which quarterbacks the Bills face and how they stack up and kind of looking at it as an entire menu of guys, but also giving you some perspective on the schedule and just how tough it is or isn't, and the fact that all the Bills, the the top quarterbacks that the Bills face this year, come into Orchard Park, and that's good news. That's going to do it for us here today on this podcast and this week on the podcast. I always am so grateful for you uh, tuning in and uh, giving me your ear and allowing me to talk Bills football with you every day. So I, I do appreciate your listenership. And I always do appreciate uh, when you take the time to subscribe, share, rate, and review this podcast. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and I look forward to catching up with you again on Monday.